0: You're listening to Speaking of Quality, Wealth Management Insights with Hank Smith, a podcast by the Haverford Trust Company. On Speaking of Quality, Hank chats with authors, influencers, and wealth management experts to bring a sense of clarity and calm to the complexity and stress of personal finance. And now, here's your host, Hank Smith.
1: Hello, and welcome to Speaking of Quality, Wealth Management Insights. I'm your host, Hank Smith, Director and Head of Investment Strategy at the Haverford Trust Company. On this podcast, we explore topics ranging from quality investing, retirement resilience, stock market trends, estate planning, behavioral psychology, and more. Our guest today is Eileen Chambers, Vice President and Portfolio Manager at the Haverford Trust Company. Eileen. Is an accomplished investment professional with more than 30 years of experience in the finance industry and has been an instrumental part of the Haverford team since joining in 1991. In this episode, we'll discuss Eileen's approach to portfolio management, her career journey, and advice she has for others, and how Haverford Trust differentiates itself in the industry. So let's dive in and learn more about my colleague Eileen. Eileen, welcome to the show. You are The first Haverford teammate I am doing a podcast with, so that shows you how much in high regard I have uh, for you. Eileen, isn't it interesting that we both joined a Haverford Trust Company 32 years ago in 1991? It's rare these days for people to stay with one company for as long as we have. When you joined, I know you were right out of college. How did you find Haverford and what has led you to stay here for all these years?
2: Well, 1991, wow, it was characterized as the worst job market in 20 years for new college graduates. So wow, was I fortunate to have had the opportunity to meet with the leadership at Haverford. I was brought to Haverford by a headhunter, so it was just kind of dumb luck, really. Uh, But I was really fortunate to receive an offer. And what made me come to Haverford was really that sense of knowledge, ethics, and caring It was absolutely why I wanted to begin my career at Haverford. But what I can say 32 years later is that it really remains the same. However, I would say there's probably two things I would add to that that I didn't realize at the time. It was the opportunities that would come to me and the evolution of the firm. How we grew in those 32 years was something fantastic.
1: Yeah, and speaking for myself, it's it's really quite simple why I've been here for 32 years. Uh, I love what I do. I love the people I work with, and the company treats everyone very well, almost as if we're family. Absolutely. And so you've worked in every area of this organization. <laughs> almost. Uh, oh, what was your first role uh, at Haverford? And, uh How did you get to your current role as a portfolio manager?
2: Well, I guess that really speaks to the opportunities um, at Haverford. I started out in operations um, as a portfolio accountant um, back in 1991. And uh, I guess a message for those starting out in their new careers is, Be uh, persistent and stick to the things, even if you don't love exactly what you're doing at every moment, Um, because my first uh, my first few weeks, I stapled. Uh, which was really uh, unattractive to me as a college graduate, as you can imagine. Um, But my wonderful mother told me, you will do whatever they ask you to do. And I did. And, you know, it it led to such an incredible career. So really stick to what you're asked to do and do it with grace, I think is a really good lesson for everyone, uh, regardless of whether you think you're above it or not. Um, But that was, uh, I think, an entree into, you know, the operations of the firm, which led me to other opportunities, um, and I I used those opportunities when I had some downtime to vo- volunteer to other portfolio managers when they needed help with anything, and that really introduced me to um, I, I suppose my lifelong mentor, it's Joe McLaughlin, who is now the CEO, was not the CEO at the time, but um, he really created a path for me to work with um, all, all, all sorts of departments through Haverford, including operations, trading, um, investment officer. And finally, in 2001, uh, he invited me to co-manage accounts with him. And that led to me running um, or working with clients independently of him uh, several years later.
1: That is a wonderful story, and it's, and it's a terrific uh, message that uh, should resonate with anyone getting into uh, the workplace uh, coming out of college. Thank you, Eileen. You know, during your um, tenure as a portfolio manager, uh, you've worked through and experienced firsthand a number of crises, starting with the tech wreck of the late 90s, early 00s, the financial crisis of 08, 09, and most recently, the healthcare COVID crisis uh, of the past uh, several years. How did you manage your clients, and uh, in, as importantly, yourself through these tumultuous periods?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. And, and it's, when you look back, these crises at the moment felt like the world was gonna end each time, and each time it certainly didn't. Uh, so each one of them was an incredible lear- learning lesson for me and for everyone you know, in the world. 2001 was the year that I started in portfolio management, and that was the year of the tech rec, as you mentioned. Um, I think the best way to describe how I managed through that was listening, uh, really listening to the clients because their their fears were real and no one knew how it was going to play out. And really my job was to listen, to guide, to go back to the fundamentals of that we are investing in companies that do the right thing and that have been through these crises before and uh, really come back to fundamentals and become their partner. Um, I would say in hindsight, it was probably the best time to become a portfolio manager because I got to speak to clients every day, all day long. I really got to know them. I really got to know their risk tolerance. It's not in up markets that you find a client's risk tolerance. It's in down markets where you really get to know that. And that is such an important key to managing assets with a client for the long run, really understanding what type of risk they can take. And that's when you find that out. I found that to be a really challenging time in 2001 and two, but it probably taught me more um, than I could have had in a, in a very fun up market like the roaring late 90s. And,
1: and um, how did you manage your stress levels? Because uh, speaking personally, uh, these are really, really stressful uh, events for anyone dealing with uh, clients and with uh, other people's money.
2: Sure. I think that that's where the culture comes in at Haverford. You have colleagues that all have an open door policy, that you share ideas, that you share difficult situations with. I remember sitting down with you in early 1991 and and asking, excuse me, 19, oh, 2001, sitting down with you in 2001, talking to you about certain situations and how you would handle them and what what is the best position that I could put clients in. Um, But there's many of us now that I go to for that type of consultative advice. um, And there's no judgment. We're here to be partners. We don't compete. And I think that that is a really interesting part about Haverford. We compete externally, but we do not compete internally. And that makes us incredibly special.
1: Yes, Eileen, I remember that conversation very well. And I think I said... Regardless of how many years of experience, you will always experience anxiety, even a little bit of fear. Um, And that's just part of um, human nature and part of uh, the business that we're in.
2: I still get nervous sometimes, and that's okay. I think it gives me the energy to really deliver for my clients um, in real time. Um,
1: As a portfolio manager, Eileen, how do you develop, uh, how do you get client relationships, develop client relationships, and uh, manage? Investment portfolios.
2: Well, to in, in terms of of bringing in new business, I, I've been really very fortunate to have client referrals be my main source of business, um, and perhaps that's the way that most of my colleagues get business. It's really um, the that we have a terrific reputation. Uh, we do some great advertising and marketing. Um, But really, our clients are our biggest and largest ambassadors. Um, So that's been, I think, very, very fortunate um, that I've had that path. But the way that I work with clients, um, I've realized over the last 20 years of doing this is that there's there's no one way to do it. I I think I, I mentioned this earlier. You really do have to listen first, because no matter how many clients we will have at Haverford... I would venture to say that no two of them have earned their money the same way or view their money exactly the same way. So listening is such an important part of what we do, both in investment management and importantly in wealth management. And especially over the last, I would say, five to seven years, we've introduced uh, financial planning, wealth planning at Haverford. And that has been, in my sense, a, a game changer, is that we really have very broad conversations with clients about what's important to them um, and what they need from us. And uh, we're able to really pull in experts out from outside of Haverford as well as inside of Haverford to give them the best advice possible. In my opinion, you can drive down any main street in any town and you're going to see shingles everywhere. What we do at its heart perhaps has been commoditized, but how we deliver it is Everything, And our delivery mechanism at Haverford is, I would venture to say, superior to anyone out there.
1: Out there. So there's a theme I've heard so far um, about your career and the success you've had in every part of your career here at Haverford. It's communication. Yes. Uh, communication internally with colleagues and communication with the clients. Uh, that seems to be one real key to your success.
2: I, I would agree with that. And, and communication, but listening especially, it really is. And for someone who's in this business, I think we have the reputation of times of thinking we know everything and we don't. And so the, there's not a day that goes by that I don't learn something. And you learn more by listening than talking.
1: But you can't listen unless you pick up the phone and start communicating.
2: <laughs> Absolutely,
1: yes. In your opinion, What are some of the mistakes clients make uh, as it pertains to their portfolio? Um, And how do you go about helping clients avoid these mistakes?
2: Yes. The biggest mistake I would say that I have experienced is clients trying to market time. It seems on the surface so simple to do. But it's really only in hindsight that you can do it. Um, and we can't operate that way. And my job has been through the crises that you've mentioned, but also over time is coaching clients that staying in the market, time in the market is so much more important than timing it. If you try to time when to get in and when to get out, that is too incredibly difficult decisions, and uh, I would say impossible to time properly. And, you know, certainly the latest example in 2020 was, it's still so fresh in my mind, is that, you know, we saw the market go down tremendously um, in a very short period of time in March of 2020, only to see, and who would have thought the market turn around, so down more than 30% at one point in March. Uh, Most of that recovered by June and up 16% by the end of the year. Just an enormous, it's just an incredible example. And there was honestly not one real good thing to feel about, about the market or the economy in June of 2020, yet the market recovered so much more quickly than it was anticipated.
1: The market uh, has a way of doing just the opposite of what you expect. And that is true uh, in any part of the uh, yes. investment cycle.
2: I think I would add to that as that maybe the second level is not mixing politics with investing. We're investing in companies and in businesses. Uh, politics can always be really tumultuous. Uh, and, you know, it Perhaps it seems worse now than it was 10 years ago or 20 years ago. It's just because it's now. And um, I think that really trying to keep your politics out of investing is has been very important um, and a very good lesson, I think, for clients as we have those discussions.
1: Yeah, it would seem to me the advent of, of news and the delivery of news uh, as r- r- and, and the Uh, and particularly uh, opinionated uh, news uh, has helped uh, create this partisan divide that we currently experience that uh, really is um, nothing like it was 20, 30, 40 years ago.
2: And I think that's regardless of what side you're on or what side you have conviction about, you really need to separate your investing from the politics. Now, of course, you have to take policies, very large policies into consideration, how they trickle down. Um, And that's what we do very well here at Haverford. Uh, But you do not want to vote with your politics, in my opinion.
1: The two mistakes from your perspective that investors really need to avoid is uh, getting out of the market and trying to get in get out, get in, uh, and keeping politics out of their investments. Uh, Don't let politics sway how you're going to invest. So that leads me to, I think, Uh, a very important question, and that is asset allocation. The allocation between the percentage that that clients have in equities, fixed income, and cash. Uh, It would seem to me that's the most important uh, uh, thing a portfolio manager can do to get right in order to keep investors in the market for as long as possible.
2: Absolutely right. And that's that that risk, understanding risk. And what 2020 taught clients again and, and me together, we learned what risk tolerance really was. Uh, we, at the run-up to 2020, was quite nice. Uh, there was very good returns in 19... 19- uh, 20, at the end of 20, and even in 2021. So that run up, uh, every, all ships were rising at that time. Um, you don't determine real risk tolerance then, but you do, in 2020, we did determine real risk tolerance. And that led us to really having, reviving that conversation again with existing clients and and new clients is what is your risk tolerance and how can we allocate your assets, so that you can stay in the market, and there's no again one no single answer uh, and it's not age based. I have clients that are very comfortable in their late eighties to be a hundred percent equity, and I have clients that are very uncomfortable being more than fifty percent in equity in their forties so these are these are conversations that are incredibly important and are consistently revisited
1: I mean tell us how uh technology has impacted uh, portfolio management and how you manage portfolios and and communicate with uh, clients?
2: The information change since 1991 is is absolutely daunting. Um, There's just so much information out there. So I think from the outside world is our job, number one, is is to kind of cut out some of the noise um, so that's technology in one way. I think um, technologically internally, the ways that we're able to communicate with clients has has vastly changed. Uh, we saw that especially in twenty twenty with the you know the advent of really using Zoom on a daily basis, uh, where some technology like that teens or or go to meeting, uh, but that has been I think revolutionary. But also the way that we trade when I first started in in the business, we were writing manual stock purchase tickets. And uh, the way that we can get things done, the efficiencies and the scalability, uh, it's given us, I think, a tremendous opportunity to to deliver what we do well to many more people, but not lose that personal touch, which is really that, as I mentioned, the delivery is everything.
1: So, Eileen, um, what advice would you give um, someone uh, interested in pursuing a career in investment uh, management?
2: I think it's been it's a tremendous career for me. I, I try to encourage everyone to really think about it. And a particular bias, I would say, is I, I think that not necessarily at Haverford, but in the business in general, I think we need more women. Uh, and I think the opportunity for women is incredible. And women tend to live longer. And so I think having that female voice as an, as a, as an advocate for our female investors for the long run is really important. Um, I would say that the age of being unprepared and it be okay is gone. Information is everywhere. And if you are not absorbing it, you are not going to be competitive. So I do think that that reading voraciously um, and listening to podcasts and finding your voice and being unbiased with that voice is incredibly valuable. Um, and there's incredible opportunities with uh, certified financial planners with CFAs. Um, I, I think that it's just really a tremendous career, and regardless of where you start, if you have the right attitude and you have the right vision, I think you can make an incredible career in in
1: financial services. You know, speaking of women, and particularly women at Haverford, fifty uh, percent of our portfolio managers are women. Fifty uh, percent of the leadership team at Haverford are women. And you were uh, very helpful in the creation of the Speaker Series for Women, a education and empowering program just for women delivered by the the women of Haverford. Can you tell us a little bit about the Speaker Series for Women?
2: Yes. Oh, it has been such a, trim- it's been just such a great success. I uh, I think it was a small idea in the beginning is, hey, let's start this. And of course, uh, Benny Wittlesbach, our prior president started, really launched the program, but it has grown. And we really do a a tremendous, I love the mix of what we do. It's um, both women empowerment, education, and networking. And that's something that we create a safe place for all of those opportunities for women. And the events grew from being small, 20, 25 women to now, you know, at times they're Hundreds in attendance, and we're just so proud of that, and the mixture I think of of what we present is just in a very it's not intimidating, but we recognize that there's all levels of education that we can offer, and we want to do it in that safe place, friendly and and we all learn from something and I think Benny said it best is if was this a good use of your time. At the end of every event. And if you learned one thing that you didn't know when you walked in the door, this was a success. So it's not necessarily life-changing in every way, but what it is is I completely agree with that. If you learn one thing and I can't imagine someone came into those, those rooms and didn't learn something. And that's our goal. And it's been consistent over the last 20, 11 years it's been a success over the last 11 years and i can see it going on and on we are really proud of that
1: well i can see that uh, you have a lot of passion for uh, the speaker series for women um can you share with us uh, outside of haverford um what are you passionate about uh, what activities uh keep keep you a- occupied well, i'm blessed with um a wonderful husband and
2: two daughters and Uh, But I'm also the youngest of eight children, so we have quite a large family. Uh, So family is incredibly important. Um, I would say our most recent passion as a family is supporting my uh, oldest daughter, who is 24. Uh, She and her husband are uh, fostering children, and they started doing that in 2021, and it has been just an incredibly life-changing experience for all of us. Um, it's not our first entree into fostering. My oldest sister, Mary Kay, um, has fostered over 70 infants from birth till they were adopted in her lifetime, which is just phenomenal. And my daughter's kind of t- taking the reins there and um So we've had some beautiful, beautiful children in uh, our lives that we've been able to care for and love. And uh, currently she and her husband are are fostering two twin boys that just turned one and we're on the path to adoption for them. So I think awareness is a passion for us to, to let people know that there are children out there that are just wonderful kids that don't have an opportunity. And if you're able to to open your heart and open your home or support someone who does, that is incredibly needed and necessary uh, to make the world a better place.
1: How wonderful. You have two families uh, at home and here at Haverford uh, yeah. that yes. you're passionate about, about both. Finally, Eileen uh, and I uh, love to end uh, podcasts uh, with this question are, are there any books that you would uh, recommend uh, to our listening audience that you've? Either read recently, or uh, were uh, you read a while ago that were that was very very impactful to you.
2: Well, that's uh, what I would say is on, on the book side. I would say in the, particularly on investments, uh, I think uh, "Learn to Earn" by Peter Lynch I think was a, a really incredible book for me years ago. The Millionaire Next Door was also something that. I think there's there's this this perception particularly today that wealth has to be shown uh but wealth really just needs to be grown and I think that that is an important message um uh, particular and even though that I think the book was published in 2011 uh but I think it still is extremely important today to know that you can grow your own wealth by just making really good choices in life um and then I would also add to that podcasts or shows that I would I would listen to. Um, Bloomberg Surveillance has been one of my morning best friends for years and years. And Tom Keene is, uh, you know, I feel like he's my buddy. Um, I think that they deliver a fairly unbiased uh, view of things. Um, and I also really, uh, I love to listen to Ian Bremmer from the Eurasia Group. He has a Zero world. And I think, that what he's able to do as a political scientist is really give us a, a really good understanding of of the world in which we live in and what's going on in the world, um, and give us a broader view of of how we as a as the United States play in that world. Uh, I think that's just important for a broad perspective.
1: I think Bloomberg thanks you very much for that for that <laughs> plug, um, and uh, we thank you so much for uh, sharing. Um, your uh, insights uh, at Haverford. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today's episode of Speaking of Quality, Wealth Management Insights. We want to thank you, Eileen, for joining us and sharing uh, your journey uh, with us.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Speaking of Quality, Wealth Management Insights with Hank Smith. To hear future episodes of Speaking of Quality, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To learn more about the Haverford Trust Company, please visit www.haverfordquality.com. This podcast is provided as general commentary and market overview and should not be relied upon as research, a forecast, or investment advice, and is not a recommendation offer or solicitation to buy or sell any securities or to adopt an investment strategy. Any opinions expressed are as of the date this podcast was recorded and may change at any time. And are the opinions of that commentator not Haverford's? Any opinion or information provided are believed by Haverford to be reliable at the time of this podcast recording, but are not necessarily all inclusive or guaranteed for accuracy. Before making any financial decisions, please consult with an investment professional.